Proverbs chapter 7. See you in the house of the Lord this evening. Proverbs chapter 7. And I'm going to read again the entire chapter. It says, My son, keep my words. You know, since I think the first chapter starts out saying, My son. My son, keep my words and lay up my commandments with thee. Keep my commandments and live. My law is the apple of thine eye. Bind them upon thy fingers. Write them upon the table of thine heart. Say unto wisdom, Thou art my sister, and call understanding thy kinswoman. That they may keep thee from the strange woman, and the stranger with flattereth with her words. For at the window of my house I looked through my casement, and beheld among the simple ones, I discerned among the youths, a young man void of understanding, passing the street near her corner, and he went the way to her house. In the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night, behold, there met him a woman with the attire of an harlot, and subtle of heart. She is loud and stubborn, her feet abide not in her house. Now is she without, now in the streets, and lieth in wait at every corner. So she caught him, and kissed him, and with an impudent face said unto him, I have peace offerings with me, this day have I paid my vows. Therefore came I forth to meet thee, diligently to seek thy face, and I have found thee. I have decked my bed with coverings of tapestry, with carved works, with fine linen of Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, alice, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love until the morning. Let us solace ourselves with loves. For the goodman is not at home. He has gone a long journey. He has taken a bag of money with him and will come home at the day appointed. With her much fair speech she caused him to yield. With the flattering of her lips she forced him. He goeth after her straightway, as an ox goeth to the slaughter, or as a fool to the correction of stocks. To a dart strike through his liver, as a bird hasteth to the snare, and knoweth not that it is for his life. Hearken unto me, now therefore, O ye children, attend to the words of my mouth. Let not thine heart decline to her ways, go not astray in her paths. She hath cast down many wounded, yea, many strong men have been slain by her. Her house is the way to hell, going down to the chambers of death. The title of the message tonight, simply, Beware of the Great Snare. Beware of the Great Snare. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the privilege and opportunity we have to open your precious word. We thank you, Father, that your word is relevant for our day and time. And, uh, Father, we uh, thank you that it does address every issue we face in life. And, Father, as we consider this tonight, this is an issue that is prevalent in our time. And I pray that you help us to be warned, beware, and be wise, and be on guard, um, and walk in wisdom and understanding that might keep us from the strange woman, from sin. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> you know, there are th- three things that three things that they say can be the downfall of any man. You know, they talk about wine, women, and money. Um, wine was that which the Bible says is to cheer a man's heart. You know, it's a, 
it's a cheerful, you know, wine, wine, of course, grape juice, we understand grape juice, is, is that which is supposed to be cheerful and pleasant, uh, which can be corrupted and be very destructive and addictive. A uh, woman was made to be a help meet for the man, to be a companion, uh, to bring uh, uh, blessing and pleasure into, to, into life, and yet that can become corrupted and the most evil thing, you might say, in the world. Uh, and, of course, money. You know, everybody likes money, but the love of money is the root of all evil. So those things are good things, but tonight as we consider this, and this is, a, uh, this is something that is prevalent in our time. We're talking here about basically about sexual sins and the strange woman, uh, very prevalent on our time, and it is a great snare to us in our time, as it always has been. If you notice, one of the things I want to... F- point out, first of all, um, great men are snared by this. Verse 26 says, she hath cast down many wounded. Many strong men have been slain by her. And of course, you know, this is not just exclusive to sexual sins, although that's the particular sins that are addressed here in this chapter, but sin is Binding sin is destructive, and it's pictured here as a strange woman, which um, is the downfall of many a man. Uh, and so as we think of that just tonight, I want to notice four things. Uh, four things I want you to notice. First of all, the character of the strange woman. And again, remember, we're not just talking, although this is, a, this is, this is, you know, this, this is a, certainly the character of a strange woman that well, we need to be aware of, especially you know, uh, uh, young men and men. Uh, but it's also the characteristics of sin. So keep that in mind as we go along here. But the character of a strange woman, notice first of all, she is attractive. She's attractive. If you notice in verse 10, it says, Behold, there met him a, met him a woman with the attire of an harlot and subtle heart. Now, what does it mean, a woman with the attire of a harlot? Well, she wears clothing, or lack thereof, that accentuates or emphasizes her body. That's how, that's how harlots dress. They want to show what they have. And that's how Satan tempts you and I. It's through the eye gate. You think about this, the... The people that talks about that sin in the, in the Bible, Eve saw that it was fruit that would be good and desired to make one wise. Achan saw a Babylonian garden, a wedge of gold, and a wedge of silver, and he coveted them. It started with seeing. David saw a beautiful woman washing herself. Saul saw. saw you know, you, you go through the Bible and, and you, you see this. They saw it. You see, Satan tempts us through the eyes. And, and a, a strange woman will dress the manner that attracts uh, you to her. Uh, 
And then an article here from uh, it's titled "What a Woman's Clothes Say About Her" by Taryn, Taryn Brook, November twentieth, two thousand seventeen, and it says um, she she quotes a book, a psychologist and author of the book "You Are What You Wear." What Your Clothes Reveal About You, Dr. Jennifer Baumgartner, has theorized that all of our wardrobe decisions actually reveal some secret desires that we may try be, that we may be trying to hide. Quote, your clothes reveal what is really going on internally. Your thoughts and feelings are laid bare in the closet. You just have to look for them, unquote. For instance, Baumgartner states that revealing too much cleavage or dressing provocatively suggests that you're power-hungry an intent on maintaining or gaining control, attention, and thus, quote, knowing that people will be looking at you, unquote. Uh, and so this is, you know, he describes her dress here, uh, or, or she's attractive. The character, first character is she's attractive in appearance uh, and, and wants people to be attracted to her. And she, she dresses the attire of a harlot. She wants to be noticed. She wants to be noticed. And so she is going to dress in a way that emphasizes, look at my body. You know, what we ought to look at, what we usually look at first is the face. But when a woman dresses sensually, where's your eyes drawn? It's not the face. It's the body. And so there's this attractive appearance. But what did, what did uh, Solomon's mother tell him in Proverbs 31? You know, beauty is what? Vain. Beauty is vain. No. You know, beauty, beauty is only skin deep. So she's attractive. She's subtle. The word, the word, again, verse 10 says she is uh, subtle. Of heart, uh, in other words, she is. This speaks of uh, hidden, or or she hides her true colors. She has her own agenda, and it is it is to bring you into bondage. And, and this is the nature of sin, particularly immorality. It brings bondage. Uh, in chapter, I think it's chapter five. Uh, I can't remember where that is now. Uh, anyway, oh yeah, I'm sorry. Chapter five, verse twenty-two says, "His own iniquity shall take the wicked himself; he shall be holden with the cords of his sin." Hosea four eleven twelve says, "Whoredom and wine and new wine take away the heart." My people ask counsel with their stocks; their staff declareth unto them, for the spirit of whoredoms hath caused them to err. They've gone a whoring from under their God. Why? Because whoredom and wine's taken away their heart. In other words, their will or their desire to and, to, to, and will to please God or to obey God is gone. It's been drawn away. It's like a powerful sedative. And so... So is the nature of sin in the strange woman. Notice also, she's loud. She's loud. If you notice in verse uh, 11, she is loud and stubborn. 
her feet and bide not to her house. Now, the word loud means boisterous or turbulent. By the way, even the way she dresses is loud. You think of that at the start. I remember a guy here uh, a few years back offered me a pink sports jacket. And uh, I said, uh, no, thank you. He said, uh, I, I guess that's maybe a little too loud for you. That's the way, term he used, loud. I said, yeah, <laughs> uh, a little too loud for me. I wouldn't be caught, don't bury me in it either. Uh, I was going to say I wouldn't be caught dead in one of those, but uh, that's too loud for me. I don't want everybody to notice. You know, anyway, and that was the idea there, to, to notice. But she is loud, boisterous or turbulent is, is the meaning here. Uh, Proverbs 9.13 says, A foolish woman is clamorous. She is simple and knoweth nothing. The word clamorous is the word loud here. And the word clamorous is found in the Bible means vigorous in demands or complaints. And you notice this woman, she's very aggressive in her approach to this young man. Trust me, guys, you don't want a woman that's aggressive. Ephesians 4.31 says we're to put away clamor, and the word clamor there in the New Testament definition is of, of those wailing of distress. It's like those wailing in distress. So it's turbulence. You know, it reminds me of an Old Testament character. 1 Kings 21.25 says, But there was none like unto Ahab, which did sell himself to work a wickedness in the sight of the Lord. Then it says this, Whom Jezebel his wife stirred up. So what was behind all of Ahab's wickedness? It was a loud, clamorous, turbulent wife. Because if Ahab didn't get what he wanted, guess what? Jezebel would make sure that they got it. That's how he got, they got Naboth's vineyard. And by the way, I believe she was very seductive and attractive. But it didn't work with Jehu. You know, when Jehu, remember Jehu began his overthrow of, of Ahab and his kingdom as it was commanded to him by the Lord. In 2 Kings 9.30 it says, when Jehu was come to, his, to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it. And she painted her face and tired her head and looked out of the window. You know what she did? She went to her, her paint table. You know, they have a name for those. I don't know what it is. But anyway, she went to her paint table and, and, and made herself look really pretty and seductive. Tired her head. That means she really put on the, you know, put on the dough, as it call, and, you know, made herself look really nice because she wanted to seduce Jehu. That's the idea here. And when she looked out the window, Jehu just says, you know, throw her down. <laughs> uh, it didn't work with Jehu. But see, she's loud. She's boisterous and turbulent. She's also stubborn. Verse, again, verse 11, she is loud and stubborn. Her feet abide not in her house. The word stubborn, the illustration given of, a, of stubborn here is used of an untrained cow. You know, in other words, it's a cow that resists leading. The Bible talks about Ephraim as a backslidden heifer. Now, I understand very clearly what's that, 
what that means because I used to show cattle when I was younger. And you had to train them to lead. And I mean, you, 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 know, you put a halter on a calf or a cow that's never been led before, and you know what they're going to do? They're going to plant those legs, and they're going to pull back. You're trying to pull forward, and they're going to plant those legs. See, they're resisting you. And the interesting thing is, notice what it says about her and her stubbornness in verse 11. Her feet abide not in her house. Notice verse 12. Now is she without, now in the streets, and lieth in wait at every corner. Verse 10 says, Behold, there met him a woman. You know, so she is out and about resisting her place. She's resisting the place that God has ordained for her and has to be at home in the night. Notice it is at night. You know, these things often take place at night. Stubborn, she has what's described as an impudent face, verse 13. So she caught him and kissed him, and with an impudent face said unto him. Impudent here means to strengthen one's countenance, to put on a shameless look. Uh, so as to cover up, you know, to look innocent when you're not. To look innocent when you're not. Proverbs 21:29 says, A wicked man hardeneth his face. In other words, he hardens himself against his sin. He will not repent of it. He hardens himself. But as for the upright, he directeth his way. So we see here the character of the strange woman. And again, you know, this is a very seductive because she's a, she is attractive. You know, sin is always attractive. There's pleasure in sin for a season. Sin always looks good. It looks justified. It appears justified. However, it can never, it can never produce satisfaction of life. And so we see the character of the strange woman. Well, notice, secondly, the description of the one who yields. And if you notice in verse 7, it says, And beheld among the simple ones, I discerned among the youths a young man void of understanding. Now notice, notice two things here. First of all, he speaks of one being simple. Simple. The word simple means a silly person. Open-minded. Easily persuaded. Or enticed. And that's, you know, he says here, a young, simple, a discerned among the youths. And young. You know, youth are, are more uh, susceptible to this because they haven't, learned and uh, experienced the experiences of life. You know, it's sort of like I, I read one time where, you know, most of the college-age kids are socialists in their thinking. But most of the people that get out of college, go get a job and work or start a business, are capitalists. Because they learn by experience that socialism does not work. 
Socialism only works on paper. It's not reality. And see, their experience teaches them that what I learned in college doesn't work. It doesn't work in real life. And so the youth are much more susceptible to this, and especially youth that have not been taught. That's why it's so important we teach our young people. And they're, you know, open-minded. You know, we, our minds, you know, the older we get, the more closed and the more certain we are about what we believe as we age. As young people, you know, when I was the age of many young people, I was still searching and, 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 and weighing out things and learning truth. I'm still learning truth, but I have a lot more stuff settled now than I did then. I've been much easier to persuade then than I am now. So it speaks of, a, of one that's open-minded, easily persuaded, seduced. And it says void of understanding. They lack knowledge. They lack resolution or moral character. They've not, they not been established. They're not uh, firmly established. Proverbs 14, 15. Proverbs 14, 15. <clears throat> It says, the simple believeth every word. You know, when your kids are, when your children are little, they'll just believe about anything you tell them. But the older they get, you know, if you make up stories, they believe less and less of those stories because they have figured out, they've learned more, tr- more and more truth. And they're not as easy to see. But the simple believeth every word. But the prudent man looketh well to his going. Verse 18, the simple inherit folly, but the prudent are crowned with knowledge. And then again in chapter 22 and verse 3, and this is actually repeated, I think, in chapter 27, word for word. Proverbs 22, 3 says, A prudent man foreseeth evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. And you notice this simple one that he describes here in chapter 7 he passes right on. He doesn't hide himself. In fact, he isn't trying to hide himself. You know, again, this gives evidence of his simplicity of lack of wisdom. He is easily persuaded. If you notice verse 21, it says, With her much fair speech, she caused... I mean, it's a fair speech. I mean, with flattery of her lips, she forced him. He goes after her straightway as an ox goeth to the slaughter, or as a fool to the corrections of the start. Uh, to, uh, the stalks, till a dart strike through his liver, as a bird hasteth to the snare, and knoweth not that it is for his life. So, you know, even with a, a fair speech, you know, how many people are deceived by this Greta Thunberg? And all she does is yell at people about how we older generation have taken away her future she has no scientific evidence whatsoever to substantiate what she's trying to say, that the world's going to end in, whatever, 30 years or whatever. You know, we're all going to be loaded up with climate change and all that garbage. I mean, how many people are, being, are duped by that stuff? Simple. And we can say that's kind of silly, but how often are we deceived by the tempter? And his temptation to sin. Then I want you to notice the third thing here. The perpetual stigma 
of immorality. Notice verse 23. It says, Till a dart strike through his liver, as a bird hasteth to the snare, and knoweth not that it is for his life. You know, the sin, sins of immorality will affect the rest of your life. Like nothing else. It will star you spiritually and emotionally. You know, David had constant trouble the rest of his life after his sin with Bathsheba. In fact, the Bible tells us that he would. Look at first second Samuel chapter twelve. Second Samuel chapter twelve. <clears throat> You know, sins of immorality can be forgiven, but they do bring, they bring a reproach and a stigma with them. Second uh, Samuel 12, verse 9. Wherefore, how thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with a sword, hast taken his wife to be thy wife, and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Now therefore the sword shall never, notice this, Never depart from thine house, because thou hast despised me and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Verse 12, or verse 14. Howbeit, because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. Now look, go back to chapter Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 32. Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 32. It says, But whoso committeth adultery with a woman lacketh understanding. He that doeth it destroyeth his own soul. A wound and dishonor shall he get, and his reproach shall not be wiped away. For jealousy is the rage of a man, therefore he will not spare in the day of vengeance. He will not regard any ransom, neither will he rest content, though thou givest many gifts. Your first Corinthians 6.18 says, Flee fornication... Every sin that a man doeth is out of the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. You know, these are, this is why someone who has committed adultery, divorced, remarried, is not to be a pastor or a deacon. Because it's a reproach that's never wiped away. It not, it's not that it can't be forgiven, it's just a reproach that carries with it. You know, first, the Bible makes that clear. First Timothy chapter 3, verses... Um, 1 and 2, and then verse 7. 1 Timothy 3, verse 1. This is true saying, if a man desire the office of a bishop, the word is used interchangeably for a pastor or overseer, or sometimes referred to as an elder, he desireth a good work. A bishop must be blameless. The husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach. Then also verse 7. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall in reproach and snare the devil. Likewise, must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given to wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, and, and so on. And then verse uh, 10, let those, these also first be proved. Let them use the office of a deacon, being found blameless. And again, in Titus chapter 1, verse 7, it talks about it. It says, again, Dave, to be blameless. But the, and the question I asked you was, David, now blameless? The answer is no. You see, what it does is, people will say, I had a man say this to me one time. He was cheating on his wife. 
and I was asked by his wife to go to jail to bail me out because they got in a fight and he threatened to burn the house down and I called the police. Interesting things pastors get into. Anyway, and I said, are you sure you want to bail him out of jail? I wanted to let him sit there and rot for a while. I'm really a nice guy, I know. But anyway, he said, yeah, but I can't get any, I can't get any uh, support if he's in jail. You know, plenty of support. So I went to bail him out. Anyway, in talking with him, this is what he said. Well, you know what Pastor D did. And you know what he was doing? He, he was talking about a pastor who was immoral, and he was justifying his conduct on the grounds of that pastor. I had an electric motor one time. We were living in Bangor. I had an electric motor for my meat grinder that burned up, that quit working. So I took it to Bangor one day to get repaired by the electric motor man. And it turned out he was a midget, just a little guy with big, thick, black rimmed glasses. And so we're talking. He's working there. He's standing on a stool on his bench. You know, he's about the size of Billy. He's standing on this stool beside his workbench. He's working on the motor, and, and we're having this conversation. He finally says, so, so what do you do? I said, well, I'm a pastor. And he looked out over those glasses just like this at me and said, not a Baptist, I hope. I said, yeah, I am. And I'll never forget what he said next. Do you know Buddy Franklin? I said, yeah, I do. See, Buddy Franklin was a very, was pastor, started, I don't know if he started it, but anyway, he was pastor of the biggest Baptist church in Maine, Bangor Baptist Church at the time. He was quite a charismatic individual, wealthy man. He even ran for governor at one point. And a lot of people liked him, but he had an affair with another woman. He eventually left that church and then after a few years started another church. And, but he could never get away from that reproach that would not be wiped away, his adulterous affair. See, it's not that they can't be forgiven, but that is a reproach. You know, what have you think of? What do you think of when I say Rahab? Arlet. What about Lot's daughters? David and Bathsheba. David was a man after God's own heart. Why would you say that about him? Why didn't you say David and Michael? I mean, Michael saved him from you know, disguised the, the bed so that Saul would think he was in bed and to help him escape from her own father? Or why wouldn't you think David and Abigail? Abigail was a godly woman. It's one of his wives. But no, we say, when you say David and, immediately you go to Bathsheba. See, this is a reproach that cannot be wiped away. It is a dart that will strike through your liver and will change and affect the rest of your life.
Let's notice the fourth thing. We have to set a purpose of protection. Verses 24 through 27 says, Hearken unto me now, therefore, O ye children, and attend to the words of my mouth. Let not thine heart decline to her ways. Go not astray in her paths. For she hath cast down many wounded, yet many strong men have been slain by her. Now, I want you to notice two things here. First of all, we have to prepare ourselves to listen. This is what we've been talking about ever since we started this book of Proverbs. And this is the whole point of the book of Proverbs. We have to prepare ourselves. And again, you have to prepare yourselves. He says, hearken unto me, thou for, therefore, O ye children, and attend to my words. You know, those things mean basically the same thing. And those are the things that he uses in this book over and over again. You know, they say, repetition is the key to learning. If you have a, you're having a problem with something, you need repetitive instruction in that thing. So we're to, the hearken here means we need to listen to the voice of my teachers, be determined to follow those in authority, and, and, and attend to the words of the Lord. You know, again, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 5, he says, A wise man will hear and will increase learning. A man of understanding shall attain unto wise countenance. He's going to hear and increase in his learning. He's going to apply it to his life. And Proverbs 31, uh, Bathsheba, by the way, uh, you know, it says the words of King Lemuel. Lemuel, they believe, is another name for Solomon. It says that the words of King Lemuel, the prophecy that his mother taught him, what my son, and what the son of my womb, and what the son of my vows, give not thy strength unto women, nor thy ways that destroyeth kings. You give yourself to women, it's going to destroy you. you give yourself to the strange woman, it's going to destroy you. And so he, he's, he's, he's instructing us, we need to pre- prepare ourselves to listen, to hearken, to hear, to obey, to attend to his words. We need to treat wisdom as it, the, beginning, the beginning of this chapter talks about uh, laying up commandments and keeping commandments like the apple of your eye and, and calling it your sister or your kinswoman. Now you're supposed to treat your sister. You know, sister speaks of one closely connected. Now, we are like family here in many ways. But you and I all know that we're closer to our immediate family than we are to the family of God. Now, there may be some of our and I'm talking about your sister. And of course, but what, 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 what tears that apart is what? Sin. But we're to, we're to be closely associated or familiar with. The word kinswoman has familiar acquaintance. So you're to make the commandments of God and the wisdom of God your familiar acquaintance, your friend. One that you'd have familiar discourse with daily. That's the idea here. That's the word picture. It, wisdom and understanding is something you to keep close, keep near, keep constant, make dear to you or precious to you, to treat with endearment, appreciation, consideration. 
It's why it's so important to meditate day and night in the Word of God, to immerse our minds and our hearts with the Word of God. It is the shield of faith. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. It is the sword of the Spirit by which we can cast down imaginations and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. You know, we can cast down that evil thinking. You see, if we prepare our hearts to listen to the Word of God, when, 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 when we are approached with temptation, red flags will immediately start going up. Like guards. But you know, if we haven't prepared ourselves, if we haven't prepared our guard... Or if we'd call it back. It's like having a guard dog. If you give him a sleeping pill, he'll be of no value. So don't give your guard a sleeping pill. In other words, what I'm saying is, don't miss your time with the Lord. Meditating on his word. Hiding his word in your heart. Psalm 119 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So we have to, we have to prepare ourselves. We have to, again, set up a purpose of protection. We have to prepare ourselves to listen. So we have to have a heart that's desirous of it. And then secondly, purpose in your heart to obey the Lord. Verse 25. Let not thine heart decline to her ways. Go not astray in her paths. Now, it, notice it says that let not thine heart decline to her ways. You know, everything starts with a heart is a heart issue. It's a heart issue. Behind every sin, Bob Jones Sr. used to say, behind every sin there's a process of wicked thinking. And it's a heart issue. You know, the heart refers to the to the uh uh, the inner man, the mind, the will, the understanding. And so he says to let not thine heart decline to her waist. Now, as I puzzled over that phrase, not let thy heart decline, or, or then it says, or nor go, ast- nor, or go not astray, the implication is of leaving the right path and turning to the wrong path. What is that? That's a choice. That's a choice. It isn't necessarily a choice that starts with your feet, but with your heart. And that's why he says, let not thine heart decline to her ways. Don't give place to evil thinking about that. It all starts in the heart. Look at chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. It says, For at the window of my house I look through my casement, and behold, among the simple ones, I discerned among the youths, a young man void of understanding, passing through the street, through the street, what's the next word? Near. Near her house. Now, it may be 
that this man did not, this young man did not walk out of his door that evening intending to go to a harlot's house. But you know what he did? You know what he did do? He gave himself the opportunity for it. He gave himself the opportunity for it. He went near her house. That's a choice. And then it says, he went near her corner and he went the way to her house. Look at chapter 4, verse 14, 15. It says, enter not into the path of the wicked and go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it and pass away. See, he says here in chapter 4, he's, he's warning that the wise person did not enter into. So don't go near her house. Don't go past her house. See, so often we try to get as close as we can and think, I won't get caught. Yeah, there's excitement in that. There's a thrill in that. It's like my cousin. I shouldn't tell on him because my brothers did it too. But they never got caught. You know what they used to do with their cars when they were young? Fish hooks. Now, this is before you had front-wheel drive. You had to have rear-wheel drive to do this. You know, you back down. You let your car coast down, backwards, down a steep hill. And then you pop the clutch in a forward gear. And, you know, they would try to make the biggest fish hook on the road. Yeah, my cousin, in the process of making that bigger fish hook, ruined his tranny or his clutch. I don't remember which one it was. See, Again, these are choices. We have to avoid it, pass by, enter not into the path of wicked. We have to make, determine that we're going to make wise choices where we go, whether it's in town or on the Internet. And again, it all starts with the heart. You know, Daniel purposed in his heart not to defy himself with the king's meat, nor with the wine's drink. In other words, he had a heart that was determined. He had purpose in his heart. He was going to obey the Lord. He had already determined that in his heart. But by the grace of God, he was going to obey the Lord, whether, even if it cost him his life. He was going to stay away from that which would seduce him or cause him to do anything that would displease his Lord. You might say that Daniel was proactive in the pursuit of a holy life. That's what you have to be. We have to, you know, and that's why Solomon says in, in this, this book here, we are to apply ourselves to wisdom and to understanding. Because if we don't apply ourselves to wisdom and understanding, we, are, we will be overcome. We will also be seduced. By the wickedness of this world with a strange woman. 
You know, sin or the strange woman is not overcome or avoided because you are strong. If you notice in verse 26 again, it says, She hath cast down many wounded, yet many strong men have been slain by her. You know, the strongest man was brought down by woman, and the wisest man by women. Don't you think maybe we ought to beware? We could say it this way, generally speaking, the strongest and the wisest were defeated by sin. Enslaved to habitual sins. That's why the Bible warns us over and over and over again. You know, the Bible warns us over and over again not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think, but to think soberly, righteously. You know, Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 26, you know, the disciples said, you know, well, we'll, we'll die with you. We'll, 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 we will crucify with you. We'll go to the death with you. And he told them in Matthew 26, 41, just before he was arrested, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And they told him to, Watch and pray with me for one hour. And they all fell asleep. What was the matter? The flesh is weak. First Corinthians 10, 12 says, Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Galatians 6, 1, Brethren, if a man be overtaken of fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself. Now, he's not saying that to the one that was overtaken. He's saying that to the spiritual, to consider thyself, lest thou also be tempted. See, if we're going to protect ourselves, from the sins that are prevalent in our day and time, from sin, causing us to fall, we have to set a purpose of protection. We have to have a plan. We have to purpose. We have to prepare our minds and our hearts daily and purpose in our heart that we will obey the Lord. Which means we're going to use caution. Caution. And protect ourselves. And which means there are places we have to avoid. Places we do not go. Things we do not do. You know, one of the things Mike Pence was criticized for was, and one of his rules is, he will not eat lunch with anyone, anyone of the opposite gender, except his wife alone. Of course, he was criticized for that. But what is that? That was a protection he set for himself. You know, I knew a pastor in New Brunswick that was counseling a lady and he would meet her 
at a Dunkin' Donut, I think, on Monday mornings. And I don't think anything ever was proven that there was anything other than he was counseling with her. But he was accused. And he didn't have really a way to protect himself because he met with her alone. See, we have to prepare ourselves and we have to purpose and we have to guard ourselves against these things. And young people need to seriously consider the consequences of sin, particularly sexual sins. Because they will affect you for the rest of your life. So, beware of the snare of the devil. But keep and lay out the commandments of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the time in your word tonight. Thank you for the instruction it gives us, the warning, and the wisdom, Father. Help us to apply it to our lives that we might be overcomers. We might know the joy and the blessing, satisfaction that comes with living a life without the guilt and weight of sin. Praise you for it. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen.